sake. And we are live once again. Welcome to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Pradi and this is episode 24 part 10. Yeah, at the end of a decade we have also reached a decade of parts that we've uh, that we've spoken about. Uh to, so welcome back to those of you who've been listening to our or this particular episode right from part 1. And to those of you who are just joining us for part 10, I'd recommend obviously go listen from part 1 because there's some interesting topics spoken about, but I'll give you a brief introduction of how the special episodes been structured. So basically throughout the month of January, I'll be interviewing a whole load of guests and fans from different clubs talking about various topics. but of course the topics are not chosen by me but the fans themselves most more often than not i've had minimal to no involvement in that decision uh so because i thought i'd give them the liberty to do that and they speak about what they're more passionate about so give them give them the opportunity for that and obviously at the end of each part i've asked my guests what their favorite moment was from the past year which is 2019 as well as from the past decade which is which just ended i think a week or so ago so uh definitely going to be an interesting episode today we're going to be talking about barcelona uh and obviously we spoke last time when we had a barcelona guest we spoke about messi because you can't speak about barcelona without mentioning lionel messi but today we're going to be talking about a very interesting top uh, subject which is the transfer business of barcelona many of you will be a little surprised why we be talking about it because barcelona have been quite a dominant team in the la liga at least uh, but it's but we'll uncover the truth behind some of these transfer businesses and transfer deals that have happened why some of them have worked out better than the others and why barcelona are kind of in the position where they are right now which is i think predominantly paying uh abnormally large fees or because one of their players themselves was sold for probably the biggest transfer fee you'll ever see in this and the next decade but uh to talk about all of this and joining me on this podcast today we've got Xavier to those of you who remember the Ballon d'Or episode as well as the uh, uh the racism episode that we had a few months ago uh he was on that as well so but I'll ask him to give you an introduction nonetheless so Xavier would you like to introduce yourself Hi guys uh, uh it's lovely to be back on the podcast for my third episode of what's been very quick flying 6 months and I'm really happy that that uh, our lovely host approaches me again and again to come and give my views on uh, what is a very vast and growing community amongst us football fans and um, yeah so basically he just called me to voice my opinion and I'm happy to share my opinion with those who are willing to hear it and I've been a Barca okay. fan since the beginning of the decade and I hope to continue this trend for for some time definitely i mean at least in la liga your do- barcelona's dominance has been quite i mean they've had a quite a grip on the la liga title for at least this decade and i mean the champions league is something where you've had your ups and downs definitely it two years of entire decade especially the 2011 one where your team was probably the best in the entire world uh there was no doubting that but uh it's been up and down it's it's i think a little more harder in the champions league because you've seen your your eternal rivals real madrid kind of win three on the trot at least four in the last five years uh well six now but uh yeah so 
but but let's talk about what we wanted to talk about that is the transfer market and the transfer deals so well as much as barcelona have always been known to be one of the biggest clubs in europe every player has always had this dream of either playing for barcelona or real madrid their transfer business this decade has been somewhat erratic somewhat uh, i mean there there was no clear direction of which way they wanted to head some of the transfer deals were very questionable the amounts paid as well as the players that were sold for not the best amounts as well as well one key player but so w- would you agree with such a statement that barcelona's transfer business has been somewhat yeah erratic it's not just erratic it's more like under pressure and yeah there have been some questionable calls as to who is to be like you know acquired for the team and with the departure of neymar like there was a lot of pressure on barca to replace him immediately especially with the funds they had acquired because they because that kind of money was not ever seen before i mean people thought pogba was it when he went for about 19 million but then neymar just comes out at 225 mil buyout clause and you know psg actually were willing to pay it and it shook it just shook everyone as to how barca were going to cope without one of the, the msn talismans you know because it is a pretty integral uh, like you know front three that we had and that definitely propelled us to the 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 2014 champions league along with the, the what do you call it even the the la remontada against psg would not be possible without the msn so like they definitely had a huge fan following as well as uh, a huge impact on barcelona's attacking play and with the departure of neymar uh, with, with like the supposed uh, ache that he had to success to succeed on his own uh, outside messi shadow was just growing growing and and the way barca was to respond to his departure was what everyone is looking at so i kind of feel like they needed a big signing immediately and then they just somehow just pushed for osman dembele at the last minute and definitely did overpay at the time for him i mean he's been a good signing but then like you really do expect more from a teenager who cost as much as he did yeah i i get it but i mean even before neymar you see the likes of fabregas who came in and the amount of You know the saga that was behind Fabregas's transfer. Uh, this, I mean, the whole transfer saga of Fabregas putting on the Barcelona shirt in front of the Spanish crowd after winning the World Cup. Then you had him. I mean, I don't know if he ever like stopped attending the training sessions at Arsenal, but there was this whole thing of he wanting to go back to the uh, for to his former boyhood club, Barcelona, and. obviously that didn't work out uh, it was, it seemed like a good transfer at the time but then i think given the likes of javi and iniesta it still not yet waning in terms of their iniesta was in his prime so it would be pretty questionable for him to leave the squad at that time and uh, of course fabregas was in a very good position probably one of the best playmakers in the prem at the at that time when he left and uh, like some may say it wasn't the best moves but then like when you you know where you uh, where you trained your entire youth career It's always it's always good to go back to your boyhood club like it's always a dream you see many footballers push for it in the past in this decade itself like you can look at payet you can look at hummels leaving dortmund abruptly to go to uh, his boyhood club uh, bayern munich and then uh, again in a turn of events going back uh, but yeah like the the passion you have to play for your boyhood club which you cultivate as a young you know young star it it never goes away like you know if you have a chance to go back i think anyone would but uh, yeah that just in my opinion is what probably went through their heads when they you know had the opportunity to go back to one of their boyhood clubs okay and coming down to 
Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Fabregas. There have been plenty of questionable dealings with. Yeah, I mean, we we've discussed this before we started the podcast, but we had I think Alex Song, which I'm not sure when exactly that was. Arda Turan and Denis Suarez. Uh, Arda Turan, Song, especially. If I'm not wrong, was in the 2012 season, and it's pretty questionable because like we just had a like a, a full standing like Sergio Busquets in our CDM ranks and. and the way barca played is with just one cdm so and alex song at the time in my opinion was probably the best cdm in the prem when he left arsenal so it is pretty it is a pretty surprise surprising move for me that he came just to warm the bench at barcelona and then he just faded away after two years never to be heard of again yeah i mean i think his fame his most famous moment in a barcelona shirt was when he tried to grab the la liga title from puyol when puyol was supposed to hand it over to abidal i think uh, that was definitely the highlight of his barcelona career but i mean arda turan who's a typical if you look at arda turan he was a typical atletico type of player rough very uh, physical obviously technically uh, i mean quite a good winger he was wanted by some of the other premier league sides like he would have been a perfect match for us i would think just of the top of my out of the top of my head chelsea i think the type of play that style of play that they were at that point of time he would have been perfect but to see him go to barcelona and that to having to sit out for the first 6 months because they were had they had a transfer ban it seemed quite uh, it felt like it was more of his move i mean he wanted that because he had always dreamt of playing with barcelona but hadn't really thought about how where he'd fit in so but uh, i mean obviously there have been others as well but talking about all of this who would you put the responsibility of making these transfers to is it okay is it the board like bartomeu uh, and uh, Bart- is it bartomeu or is it bartolomeu or is bartolomeu like the hospital Bartolomeu. yeah okay i think the final decision is this like if if you if you account for any for any major club you look at uh, the final say of the director and like his his final input really does like take a huge uh, impact on a player transfer if it's to happen or not and i think under pressure he hasn't made the best decisions like i mean we've had a lot more uh, like flops in terms of transfers than actual hits like if you want i could even list out our top 3 and best transfers of the decade and our worst and Yeah, some of them have been quite successful. Like Suarez definitely has to be our best signing this decade because, like, it, like it, it probably would have been it probably would have been Neymar if he stuck around. But yeah, definitely up there, Suarez, Neymar, some of the best transfer business passes we've done this season. And the most questionable ones, I mean, there are quite a few questionable ones. The the most questionable one definitely has to be um, Kevin Prince Boateng's loan in January. I mean, no one understands what that was. and at the time barca were linked with erling haaland who everyone knows has been sensational this season and has secured a wonderful move to to the dortmund side and you just think as to how like barca even scouted boateng over haaland and it just makes you wonder i mean like boateng featured for a whole four games as a substitute and a starting player and he scored a whole grand total of zero goals so you really do wonder who like you know sanctions these transfers and who has the last because i'm pretty sure like we have a questionable manager as such and i'm pretty sure i don't know anyone who's really behind him at the moment but i don't think he really has a final say in transfers like he can just put for a few requests for positions but then 
when it comes to scouting and final decisions, I guess the board has a bigger say in that. Then there have also been, yeah, like you said, Arda Turan, pretty questionable coming from Atletico to win a champ. I mean, yeah, most players do come to clubs like Barca and Real to secure a Champions League. I mean, let's let, let's not uh, deny the facts that uh, over the over this decade, at least, that uh, when it comes to the Champions League, the La Liga has definitely dominated all European competition, not just the Champions League as such, even the Europa League. I mean, there were years where Sevilla won it three times on the trot, then Real Madrid winning Champions League three times on the trot, and Barca winning it twice this this year. I mean, this decade as well. That that puts it at at six for La Liga clubs for the Prem. So it just shows the real dominance that uh, La Liga does have in the Champions League. Uh, I mean, yeah, like uh, apart, uh, like I completely understand, and I think. Like obviously, Kempen's voting was one of the most wild cards. I think him, uh, yeah, like we also said, Alex Song. They were they were quite uh, an eye, like a shocking transfer. That for a that's... club, for a club as big as Barcelona, you really you 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 can't you kind of wonder how they even got there in the first place. Like how like what made like, the decision to get them in the club? It's, like we really needed a backup striker when Suarez was in his whole injury crisis and his whole. Uh, Broad period for goals and and their best solution was uh, of course Kevin Prince and then of course they let go of uh, Paco Alcácer. I mean I don't blame him for leaving the club due to lack of game time, but we all obviously seen how good of a striker he is in Dortmund. So yeah, these kind of questionable decisions like these come down to the manager. When players leave due to lack of game time, it just comes down to player rotation. And I definitely admire managers like like Klopp. Were able to totally and Guardiola especially who can totally rotate the squad and keep everyone happy. And you know, it makes players who who knowing that they have competition in different spots want to join the club anyway. Uh, yeah, but that kind of philosophy is not there with our current manager. You know, the total football philosophy which Barca has been known to follow with Cruyff, Guardiola, and so many countless managers, Icar as well. But that's not been happening as of this decade as much, and uh, I definitely hope for the future to be different. I mean, you can't rely on Messi forever. No, that's true. But uh, do you, like you mentioned, uh, several managers who have actually had this Barca philosophy like in their blood, and like Guardiola, Rijkaard, uh, Cruyff—they've all been players who've become managers and who know what what it is to manage a club like Barcelona. But uh, do you think you know this whole chop and change and this this difference in? Ideology in terms of choosing a player and everything has got to also be down to the fact that you've had a lot of manager changes since Guardiola has left. Obviously, uh, Tito uh, rest yeah, in peace. Yeah, he's, Tito was he, a yeah, may he rest in peace. He was a very like unique philosophy manager. Like, and I really I would have even stuck by him, even though he he was manager in charge during our during our some of our worst years. Then we had Tata Martino. Obviously, he didn't have a great time after Villanova. To fill in those shoes, and then after Villanova left, Luis Enrique entered the scene. He was an ex-player, well experienced at Barcelona. So everyone thought, you know, things, and he won the treble as well. So people really thought things were going to change. But then even his philosophies died out pretty quick. The club really couldn't adapt to it. And of course now Ernesto Valverde is in. I mean, I hope he doesn't stay after this season, but. You know, managers are definitely struggling to get like a stronghold in the club. That you know, someone like Guardiola established. I mean, Guardiola himself knows the pressure that it is to manage Barcelona because in a recent interview, if you would have heard, he did say that every year since he's won the sextuple has been a failure in his career. 
yeah but like, do you, but but do you think like this like this lot these change of managers is a reason why the, the players have also been quite i mean there's not been a direction that everyone's gone to in terms of buying players who play a certain style that one manager prefers one player then the other manager comes changes the whole system plays and tries to buy another player who fits his mold then the other one comes in so yeah, see now this mismatch is what's been happening and that's what i said where total football is not happening because the like the way total football works is like everyone sticks to their position but each player can play different distinct roles at various positions as well like no players confined to just playing one position but i don't think that's happening where managers are trying to sign a specific player to play in a different position and then you know switch up their roles cuz like you if you look at coutinho and griezmann they are natural center center playing players but they were deployed at the upper left side left wing left forward right and left mid as well and i don't think coutinho was able to cope with that change as quickly as griezmann and griezmann is definitely done a great job he's defensively solid he contributes to the team like his work rates are pretty good i mean there are games where he goes missing but then like you can't like that that level of consistency cannot be achieved in your first season it's been under a year since he joined i'll definitely give griezmann some more time but i would definitely say he's filling in uh, coutinho's shoes a lot better than coutinho was doing at barca and coutinho of course going back to the central role at bayern munich is playing fantastic he's getting his job done Okay, I mean, like managers, you know, forcing players to follow their own philosophy, as such, and that really, you know, it drowns out the players' potential. If you ask me, right? And okay, I mean, you're talking about all this transfer business and all that, and we can't obviously not mention Neymar. Uh, when when it happened, what were your thoughts on that? I really did look up to him. I thought he was the future. I mean, even Messi thought he was the future after he left. and then Suarez were like you know, ready to leave everything on Neymar and just move on but that obviously didn't happen because you know greed comes in the way i i i honestly there's no reason he had to leave barca other than i don't know what reasons he had to leave barca that those are his own he can say anything he wants to say but i mean like if he if he was so if he's feeling so insecure about being in messi shadow I mean, there were better ways to get over it and to win a ballon d'or i don't think these are reasons why you leave a club as such but yeah he had his reasons he gave us 100% whenever he was on the pitch no regrets and no hate towards him there but uh, like yeah I definitely not regard him as uh, like in good regard as such with good memories because of the way he left and the reasons he chose leave yeah and because of him yeah let's not forget the adverse reactions had on the transfer market where players are going for exorbitant amounts of money all attributing to Pogba and Neymar i mean people can say what they want but until clubs actually paid these ridiculous amounts for players like this i don't think anyone would have ever thought harry maguire would go for 80 that's not even a joke around yeah these, no, I, these clubs are playing for for like even not even a well established players like you know half decent players is just just absurd i mean um there was a arsenal uh Alex Iwobi. I mean, he went for a forty-five million to Everton. I mean, without having achieved anything at Arsenal. So I really don't understand these kind of transfers and how they work. Forty-five million. I mean, you you could have signed so much at the beginning of the decade for that kind of money. So it really does put into question the effect that the transfers are having. 
I mean, who who actually would you blame for the whole transfer market explosion or the transfer fee explosion? Would you say, I mean, we had uh, Barcelona had a 222 million release fee clause. We ne- you never thought it would be matched. And would you solely blame PSG for actually matching that and creating this whole trouble? Or would you kind of put partially blame Barcelona itself for kind of putting Neymar in a position where he felt like he had to leave or something like that? In my opinion, Barca never put Neymar in any position where he had to leave. I mean, like, how can you blame the club if a player is not happy fulfilling his own individual desires? Is like, can you actually blame a club because a player feels he cannot win a Ballon d'Or because of one of his own teammates? I don't think you can blame a club for that. I mean, that is down to the player's mentality on their own. But I definitely do blame clubs like PSG and, of course, UEFA. I mean, where is financial fair play? I do not see financial fair play anywhere. Because if you looked at the TV rights before Facebook and all came into the picture to split the rights between the lower division teams, I mean, Barca and Real Madrid definitely took up like almost 70, 70% of the total revenue of the league was taken up by just these two teams on their TV rights. And that just just blew a whole proportion margin in terms of big clubs. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, you know how TV rights work. I mean, the, the, the clubs who get relegated in the Prem get more money than the Champions League winners. So, I mean, what does that have to tell you in terms of where financial fair play is coming through? I mean, the lower the, the lower league clubs have no option but to look for, like, you know, parting talents while the top clubs can buy whoever they want at whatever prices other clubs are demanding. And with, the uh, like, you know, clubs knowing now that they can actually hold on to their players and demand higher fees from tribal clubs who, are, who actually want, who, like, you know, go out of their surplus hand. I mean, I'm probably definitely referencing Real Madrid right now. Clubs like that, you know, who want to assemble a Galactico squad and will pay any amount of stupid money to get whoever they want. I mean, clubs can hold out and demand whatever money they want. No, I, I get it. I mean, though, to be fair, Real Madrid, I think Barcelona have been the more perpetrator, have been the biggest perpetrators of in the in the recent history, at least. Of okay, but you look at you look at last season, Real Madrid signed. Seven or eight players, and all of them were exorbitantly priced, including players like Luka Jovic, who barely played like five league games. And I, I would, I'd probably count on my fingers how many he started. But the, this kind of money is just, I mean, it's, it's pretty absurd. And then, and they didn't even get them for cheap. Like some of these players went for sixty mil, seventy mil. I mean, Ferlin Mendy is definitely being integrated into the squad. Militao definitely has some ways to go to dethrone Ramos and Varane. But yeah, you you just see what I'm getting at, like just. All of these surplus buys just to strengthen the bench and the reserves and the future. It really does like make you wonder where financial fair play is. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, I mean, nowhere, even in Man City, I mean, look at the bench and you can count the millions that is sitting on a, on a, on a seat throughout 90 minutes. And it's, it's ridiculous. You never expected a bench to be as expensive as the first team that's playing out there. But, but, and I completely agree where financial play, fair play is. And also, I mean, I, I don't put, personally, I don't put any blame on Barcelona because you have a release clause, clause that big, you never expect it. And if they do match it, I mean, you have to only hold up your hands and let the players speak to them. You look at the release clause as of today, like some players are at 700, 800 million and it's not going to be long, maybe within the next decade that clubs are willing to break that. And when that happens, I mean, like... Uh, no, I, I, it's, it's, it's going to be all money. Like, I, I, I don't know how I'd go to sleep knowing that I cost 800 million to a team 
and then the pressure to perform under that like i don't know i really i really wouldn't be able to cope as a player knowing that my transfer fee has been impacted the club this much and you know the media attention coming in will be mad no, i mean it's definitely going to affect not only your personal health perspective but even you know the expectations from fans saying that it's our hard earned one money that's going into paying for your wages your and all of that so coming through club rights images sales of where various merchandise that all comes from the fans you can say what you want a club is nothing without its fans that's like an established fact and the re- and the time when fans start revolting against the club stop putting in money in the club then you just your debts just get higher and higher and higher but if you look at it most of the big clubs i mean excluding chelsea the last season are recording huge monumental profits i mean look at united people like you know even though they don't spend money like they, they definitely can break the bank and sign neymar any day any time they want they can pay that trans- that release clause within within like a month and and like it wouldn't hurt their finances in any way i mean that's just kind of, that's just kind of money that a club with their image rights has and yeah i mean like there are various manufacturers looking at new kit deals and everything so this is just putting more money into the hands of the bigger clubs they can just go forth and you know plan their next big signings etc yeah but okay so one more thing that i i want to ask you is that you know barcelona like i mentioned earlier is obviously one of the two top two le- clubs in the world apart from real, i mean real madrid and barcelona are the two clubs where no matter which other club you play for and they might be leading the league and winning trophies year in year out the next there is always a next step and then last step for any player is barcelona and real madrid in terms of the pinnacle of playing careers right yes. in terms of history like the for the last 100 years these clubs have established themselves so well well above and when if you ask me in terms of history any other two clubs come close it would have to be man united and I'd say, I'd say Juventus by Munich like these are the top 5 like clubs of all time at the moment and like their dominance cannot be like you know diminished but in terms of the top two like you said Barcelona and Real Madrid are definitely there the number of trophies they win the history they have and the you know the talent they're able to I mean at least in the past the talent they were able to pull through their academies you know it really it really was a pride to wear like you know the white jersey or like the blue ground colors but as of late like it's more like if they they just go out and sign the best player that they can find at the moment or the top performing players so like yeah everyone wants to play for these clubs but it's getting harder and harder to get there and like you know when you join like all eyes are on you the whole media like when coutinho joined every week he was he was like just just highlighted by the media whether he played well or he didn't play well if the same goes with pogba like every time pogba came every week i think people expected him to net a hat trick and get like like five assists every time they like oh, he's a flop this uh, i mean that this unnecessary pressure that comes with the price tag because if he didn't cost 90 bit i don't think any of this would happen and it's united and, and united are the only ones to blame for him leaving in the first place because if he had just been given the game time which he deserved he, he, he would never have left yeah i mean yeah okay are you saying no 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 go ahead Yeah, like I'm saying, like Ferguson could have easily played him in that match, and then he decided to put Rafael at C at central midfielder with an open spot for a CDM. I f- I find that I think that was many people say that was the last straw which pushed Pogba to leave the club on a free transfer the next season. But that could have easily been avoided, like if he was just given a fair chance. But that obviously didn't happen. Yeah, but I mean, talking about like even when at United when so Alex Ferguson was in charge and he was. in his prime our winning trophies left hand side you still had david beckham wanting to go to real madrid 
Cristiano Ronaldo going to Real Madrid. You know, you no matter how successful you are as a club, the pinnacle yeah. is always Barcelona and Real Madrid. And I want to know, same no, with Hazard and more many modern players. They just look, and no matter what you do, no matter how successful your club is, within three to five years, everyone wants to push a move to the big two. Even Hazard, I think he was fine when he came. Then after the first three years, everyone's like he wants to push to Real Madrid. He definitely did stay on for another two, three years. Played some magical move. Footballs and made some great memories for Chelsea, but then in the end, he still moved to Real Madrid, where he is definitely living his dream. And like, you really can't blame a player for having this kind of dream. I mean, that's just—it's just like I said, the history that these clubs have created push players to actually want to play for them. And also, I mean, like you spoke about Hazard, but anybody like Salah when he scored that 44 goals, the next season you could already see the headline saying. Real Madrid bought him. Uh, Sadio Mane same. Real Madrid bought him. Barcelona want him. All that stuff. Sadio Mane now there are rumors that his agency has been contacted by Real Madrid. Okay, so. Yeah, but I mean he he he's he's the he's the I think the last of the I mean not the last but I think second last of the three trio who to who would leave. I think Salah would be the more likely to leave first. Than Salah would be the most likely, and then it would be Mane definitely because yeah, uh, yeah I mean. Also because his role can't be suited to many clubs. It's, his role is so unique that it it's so perfect to what Liverpool plays right now, and you need that kind of manager. But anyway, enough of Liverpool. But like talking about Barcelona, is there like a pressure then to the president saying that you know there are these kind of players who want to play for Barcelona, like Luis Suarez and. Griezmann and these guys want to play with Messi. They want to play with the world's best. So is there the kind of pressure from Bar uh, to on the president to kind of go and break the bank for these kind of players, even if they don't fit the style? That is the reason Barca are are always in every every season. Barca are definitely in a position to do this with the amount of revenue they generate. I mean, like I'm pretty sure among like with United, they are the, one of the highest revenue generating clubs, and the reason. Like this happens is because of their fame, obviously, and their endorsements. But they can easily sign like a few half decent players every season. But like I don't know, over the last decade, I feel like there's this huge philosophy where if Real Madrid signs someone really big, then Barca are, are looked at to do the same thing to compete. You know, because in a transfer window where you don't sign anyone, it, it's 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 as good as a failure of a transfer window because like there's no new fresh talent, there's no new fresh headlines, no player to highlight. Kind of feel like it takes a toll on on the media and the team as well because you know, I mean that's just my feeling because Griezmann, of course, he he had his whole video controversy season before. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. It was it was. I think one of the weirdest things to yeah. see a guy who said that he's not going to join Barcelona a year ago then change his mind completely and say like, yeah, okay, no, I'm going. Uh, uh, we might be running out of time as well. So I just want to ask you quickly: What was your favorite moment from 2019? Favorite moment from 2019, as any as a club perspective or as yeah, as as a Barcelona fan. Yeah, I don't think there's anything great to look up to this year, but definitely Messi winning a six Ballon d'Or was something surprising, pleasant to look at. And what about yeah. his uh, free kick? <laughs> Now. His his free kicks are obviously like up there, probably the best undisputed free kick taker in the world right now. But like, I judge a match by the end result, not by like you know what happens. And we all know what happened at the end. 
Okay. I, which kind of leads me perfectly to asking you what was your not so favorite moment of 2019? You want to describe it in a sentence? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that would be all are taken quickly. Origi cold. And then my TV's off. I'm done. I don't want to see that again. And and that just scares me from watching any second leg of any ma- of any Champions League match in which we're leading 3-0. I just don't want to watch it. Like it's been two years on the row now, and if it happens again, oh God, I don't know. I don't think I could. My heart could take that ever again. I mean, we thought with Roma it's done, but then Liverpool definitely upped their game. I mean, we definitely didn't deserve to win the second leg. That's not that. That's far from the question. But like, I just feel like our manager and his tactics was so cocky. Just, I just can't can't be helped anymore. Yeah, but that was definitely the lowest point any Barcelona fan can feel. Probably worse than the Roma defeat was was this one. Especially with how confident we were, knowing that that we did this the previous season, and we yeah. were going to avoid it at all costs, and everyone was just a huge letdown. And you know what? Liverpool didn't even have Firmino and Salah. That, that exactly. Was- I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. That like we, it was even worse that we weren't with our two best players on the pitch. So yeah, uh, and fabulous job. Even Robertson when he went off, Wijnaldum came, upped his game yeah. big time. And what was your favorite moment from this decade? Favorite moment from this decade definitely has to be, uh, I think the the year where Messi broke the record for the most goals scored in Canada. That year was just magical. Messi just <laughs> banging league goals for fun. And, wow! I mean, I think what, it was ninety-one <laughs> goals or something. 91. Anti-one oh, Jesus, that like that is not going to be beaten anytime soon. I mean, records are meant to be broken, but I kind of feel that that one is hard. With the kind of quality of players around everyone, players like Messi and Ronaldo to step up their game at such a level, where where, where them hitting fifty goals is, I mean, where them not hitting fifty goals is looked at as a bad season. And and any other player for them to hit fifty goals in any season would be a, like a highlight enough to win a Ballon d'Or. But for these two, it's just like any other year. Basically, we've been doing it for eight nine years on the trot. Messi ten. It's just yeah, it, it, it was it was mad. Uh, what was your lowest? Has to be like the best decade for football fans. Looking at the two best ever players, in my opinion, in the game. Yeah, I think next decade is gonna miss them so much. It's gonna it's, it's just next decade. Like no other, yeah. no other, no other decade is ever gonna see these guys in their prime, live, fighting week in week out with each other. And you know, in the classicos of old, I'm talking about the 2011, 2012, where the real heat fight that there was. There have been some good classicos after that, but those years, like, that was the match to watch in the season. Definitely, all eyes. People used to wait months to watch it. One ticket used to cost millions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely worth it if you watch these two, the best players on the planet, battle it out on the same pitch. Yeah. So much passion. This was this was a decade, the best decade that in football in over the last few years. I mean, like the previous Uh, decade had all the various talents you could think of, but these two just stole the the whole concept of you know the greats. So, what was your not-so-favorite moment or your lowest moment, lowest point of this entire decade as a Barcelona fan? When Neymar decided to leave our club for absolutely no reason. I mean, we can always win another Champions League, but 
this guy was definitely going to be the future of our club. Would have let Messi retire in peace. Maybe we would have won a lot more. Who knows? Maybe we would never have lost to Liverpool or Roma if he was there. Who knows? There's no denying that after Messi and Ronaldo, he is the best player on his not even on his day. Like he, he he just he just plays so well. Everyone knows how good he is. He's just just up there. If he if he wasn't injured, people know how good he is. People are people. If anyone would want him in their club, but he, he I mean, like him. barring his attitude, I think in terms of talent, he's definitely the third best player in the world. Undeniable. Like, no yeah. one, no one can dispute that fact. I mean, if anyone disputes it, they they're probably like yeah, like like I said, salty fans or whatever. But any of the supporters. Hazard. <laughs> oh, and the Salah boys. Yes. Never, never liked, I, think. I, I really can't think. I, he's not even the best player right now in Liverpool. So I yeah, that's because that. that's because Mane has been like in the shadows for too long in this season. Yeah, so he's like so he just he's like I am in charge now. Yeah, but uh, I mean, like, so okay. I mean, fair enough. I think Neymar's leaving was probably was like exactly i think the the camaraderie that messi suarez and neymar had like as msn the success that they had to leave all of that felt like and i for me i kind of thought he would never leave that he would be the next face of barcelona and probably uh, that maybe mbappe would be the next face of uh, real madrid and then that would be the next sort of rivalry that we'd see but unfortunately both of them are Playing for the same, not only playing for the same club, but both of them, where no one knows where they're going to end up. Both of them could be at Barcelona, both could be at Real Madrid. The ru- the rumors keep shifting from one day. All I know is they are too expensive to be at the same club together, if not PSG. So that is well, there's no FF, There's no FFP. Yeah, there's no FFP anymore. <laughs> FFP doesn't exist, man. Spend five hundred million, get both. We deal. I see. Yeah, you you still yeah. get get there somewhere, get or sell someone. You half your squad, just get okay, these two. Okay. okay, come on. How much is Gareth Bale worth with his no, no, injury no. crisis and his form? Come on. Even no, forty million so, working be a good deal. You know, I I th- I think if he goes to like a Man United, they'd spend hundred odd million. Just how bad their transfer recruitment is. Man United are the like the only ones who can actually buy him. Buyers. I kind of feel if you wanted to do this this episode regarding uh, transfer windows, you should have done it with a United fan. I mean, that would have had more more funny content if you ask me. I actually, I actually did a trans- <laughs> I actually did a transfer episode on transfers uh, with a United fan, and yeah, it was it was a lot of apathy and a lot of like uh, less empathy and le- less I sympathy. Know. I don't know how true their offer for Madison is, as we've all been hearing in the news with Jesse Lingard in the bid. So. <laughs> Uh, that that would be the the like that's actually as that would be probably the second stupidest bid after uh, or after after Arsenal's forty plus one for Suarez. Yes, yeah. I mean yeah. like no one is going to. I mean this could actually even rival that for number one, given that it's Lingard in the uh, offer. This would overtake it as number one if it if it works out. And yeah, you Liverpool fans definitely got to respect Suarez because he, he I don't want to talk about the squad he played in at the time and he and where you guys finished second. So Oh no, I mean definitely we so I, I actually we we are we were okay with Suarez or we like he was a I wouldn't say a legend but a really, really good player for us. 
and we we expected if he won the prem he would have definitely been a legend but like he didn't definitely yeah, like no. he left in his prime as well which cannot be which i mean i i don't think we we were too sad about it we also respected his decision he'd always said that he wanted to go to barcelona and to get that but also i think what we have it's kind of gone down slightly uh, the respect is when he came to anfield uh, when he yes. celebrated at camp now and everything fine you didn't celebrate at anfield but we didn't give you an opportunity to but uh, yeah. still no, that that like is, players who players who have an attachment to club really really shouldn't go all out and celebrate unless your club disrespects you because yeah. i'm pretty sure van tosi showed quite a bit of restraint the first few times but then after all the booing and all the whistling like he's like fuck it <laughs> Yeah, I know definitely. Uh, but okay. So, uh, speaking of like the previous decade, what are your expectations from twenty twenty and the upcoming decade? Can we please win a Champions League before Messi retires. That's all I want. God, I, I, I think this this year could be better. Every year, it's like it's like every year is our year in Champions League, and then we get battered three nil away from home. Jesus, man, no, no more. I can't watch anymore. It's always quarter final, semi final, exit to the same. What is the point? Like, are we PSG? Is that our ambition now? No, not how things are. So let's just hope. Like, Messi doesn't have a lot of years left. And like, even though his numbers are increasing, like you can see the fatigue and the toll it takes on his body. Every match he plays, he gives everything. Yeah. And his and his. Like, no one can say he's declined as such. Like, no matter what happens, Messi will always have a place to play in the game because the way he reads the game, no one can do it. It's physically impossible to know what's going on in his mind. He reads the game. No, but he also mentioned that in his Ballon d'Or that he has only a few years left. That he's at this level. Not, not everyone can, you know, make bold claims saying they're going to play till they're forty, the top leagues, and that's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, if you're realistically looking at, I think Messi has another two good years in him, and within this, if he's able to win a seventh Ballon d'Or and a Champions League. Maybe achieve one Copa with with Argentina. He'd go down as Argentina's greatest ever player. Not that he already shouldn't, but like, you know, when you carry the hopes of a nation, you need to come back with with something. I think he still needs that one Argentinian trophy. He that he's... That's what I said. Yeah, he needs a Copa. Like just something, something where he can put his name on. Because like, I don't know about the World Cup, but the Copa is something that can be won. There's, there is that whole hugely dominant Brazilian side, but they can be beaten. In fact, I was pretty surprised they won in the semi-final. I mean, because Argentina were definitely the better team, but Brazil had all the luck. And the two penalty shootouts to Chile were just <laughs> who can who can write football? You know, it's like there's always that that element of surprise. Exactly. Happened. Yeah. No. Lift a trophy with Argentina. He definitely did. And even if he doesn't, for me, he's always going to be like. Best player ever, but yeah, winning an international trophy definitely makes your claim all the more stronger. You know, when no one can refute your claim saying you haven't done this, you haven't done that. He's done everything except that, honestly. In all honesty, just that one thing eludes his his career, and he's glad he said he gave up five of his Ballon d'Ors to to lift any international trophy. I, I mean, Ballon d'Or is fine. You can give that. He gave up like a Champions League or a La Liga, then maybe. But right. I think no. he still got enough. In terms of, he's definitely achieved enough, but the hunger to achieve something and you know make your whole nation proud is something that a football only can only dream of doing. Not everyone has a chance to do that, and you're carrying hopes of millions on your back, and then like all the all the hate. Any time they lose, all the hate just <laughs> goes rifling in one direction. It's pretty absurd. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of understandable why then he starts, starts to threaten to retire because he can't. I mean, it's like if they win, then it's him. If they lose, then it's always him. It's not like anyone else. It's always him. I think that. I mean, should... we as a country, we don't really have like the best squad in in our you know in our confederation, but like we have a few gems of a player, especially Chetri, who we never never disrespect no matter what. We look up to him. He's our he's our star. He's our idol. When we see him play, it's like an absolute joy. And for all he's done at his age, and I'm lucky enough for that he plays in in my local club, and I get to watch him time to time. Like you know, I I, I just kind of feel like the Argentina don't deserve the way they treat him. Uh, he, should, he should have changed his nationality to Spain, and maybe he would have won one. Uh, won <laughs> so many. You know, won so the many. Euros, the World Cup. This decade, the Spain won two Euros and a World Cup. So, yeah, who knows what more they would have won? He's definitely what ifs. A good episode yeah. for what ifs. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, I guess that's all the time we have for this part. Uh, thanks, Xavier, for being a part of this podcast. It was a pleasure to listen to your opinions and hear your thoughts on Barcelona's transfer. Well, whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, whether it's a mess, yeah, the transfer conund—it's a conundrum of sorts. Calamity would be also. Yeah, your words, not mine, but (laughs) that's what we're here for. You could, you could, you could head like just imagine the headline uh, that you wake up and see that Kevin Prince Boating signs Barcelona on loan. What and oh, let's not forget uh, Yeri Mina. How could we forget that? Barca bought him for six months and sold him for a profit. Is it the club that we become now? I mean, that was pretty, pretty hurtful, if you ask me. What happened with him? That's true. I thought he was a he, he, in the plans. Yeah, he was a commanding centre back at least at that point. Yeah, of and he had a great World Cup. He had a great World Cup. Yeah, he he was part of very instrumental Colombian side going to the quarters. But uh, who looks at that? <laughs> Definitely. Well, uh, thanks again for tuning in. If you've been listening from part one, thanks for sticking around. If you've just joined us, head back to part one. Uh, Or you can wait for parts 11 and more in the next coming days. Uh, So that's it for now. You can leave a like, drop in a comment, share with friends and family, subscribe to the podcast channel, as well as follow us on Twitter. So you can do all of that at the same time. And... uh, that's it for episode 24, part 10. That's been this decade of this episode, if that makes sense. And that's it. I'm your host, Braddy, once again. And see you.